Welcome into another episode of the Rural Alliance UK podcast, episode 131, The Tan Aquatic with ROTL UK. My name's Matthew Turner alongside Anthony Fitzpatrick, Ryan McCoskey. How are you doing, boys? Bit warm. <laughs> Struggling. I'm not going to lie. Anyone who watches this pod knows that I hate hot weather and 100 degrees Fahrenheit is far too damn hot for me. It's even that bad that my beard has gone to try and cool me down a little bit. That's that's how desperate things are getting. Ryan hasn't quite committed to that yet, but there we go. For, for you guys across the pond who aren't aware of it, it's hottest today. It was 104 degrees in London, which is the hottest temperature ever recorded in the UK, beating 2019's record. So it's only very recent, but we've never had it hotter here. And in the land of no air conditioning, it is not a pleasant place to be right now, especially in rural Alliance headquarters all around the country. Um, but we are going to be talking to you guys today about 2023 free agency class and just having a general Lions chat. Just want to welcome in everyone listening along on the audio part or live along with us on YouTube and Twitch. If you want to get your questions in, we will Get it in on the show later on, so please do get your questions in. We'd love to chat about whatever you want to talk about, but we'll get some housekeeping out the way to start with. Don't forget our Discord channel, College Football Podcasts. Don't forget to like and sub the episode, the pod, YouTube channel, whatever you can. And Lions Nation Unite, College Football Podcast boys, coming up again on Wednesday. You also spoke last Tuesday. What did you speak about? What are you going to speak about? Uh, so we're doing our breakdown of the college conferences at the minute, like a little mini preview going into next year. Uh, last week we did about the CUSA. We also did chat about uh, the co- possible coming of the Super Conference. Uh, we talked about commitments on there. It was <laughs> it was a very long one. So this week we're just going to do uh, our preview. We're doing the Sun Belt this week, um, one of the other lesser known conferences in the uh, in the FBS, so should be good fun. Some good teams in there this year and some guys that we're really, really high on going into this year's draft all you hear a lot about. So, yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, we got a question in from the chat. Dan Pask, the man, the myth, the legend, asks, Ryan, is Hank in the shade? Is he been keeping cool? No, he loves the sun. <clears throat> Trying to keep him in the shade is impossible. He wants to sit all day and if... If I let him, he would put himself in the vets. He'd probably kill himself. He loves the hot weather. So <laughs> he's, a, he's a bit, he's a bit, of a, bit of a knob, really. I bought him frozen strawberries. Not interested. He chews them and then spits them out. Cooling map, barely wants to use it. He's been a little bit of swat, really. But what can you say? There we go. Uh, Debt Fan Man says, apparently heard the heat closed on Luton Airport. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, British airports don't stand up to anything. If it gets near if it gets near 40 degrees Fahrenheit, it, you can close it due to it being cold. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure oh. airports have been closed by being hot before, so no stranger to that. And the train lines melt, literally melt, because they're not designed to deal with it. They bend 
bend out of shape. The trains don't run. Nothing runs. And then conversely, in the snow, everything gets covered up and we can't clear it. So extreme weather here is, it is, is really, it just kills us. I've not left my house today apart from to go for some food and that's it. I'm not leaving again. I mean, my, my work generously said I didn't have to wear a suit today. So there you go. Oh, I've, been, I've been out. I went to site. I went to a, a full treatment works, walked around. It was everything going on. Hot, gases, tanks, a lot. It was not fun. This country, I'm just going to say it, this country, is, it's soft. Infrastructure has been lacking for many decades and it's bred a soft bunch of people. Unfortunately, we're just not cut out for it. So whoever takes over as Prime Minister next, please just fix something. Don't make trains and airports out of fucking rubber bands and aluminium or aluminium. <laughs> oh. I started that one with Jeremy once and I got a lot of flack for that. <laughs> From our... uh, don't also forget about we are a Twitch affiliate and now, so if you've got a free sub, a Prime subscription, you can throw away. We'd really appreciate that. But the other thing I want to talk to you about before we get going properly is our feedback form that we're running right now. So uh, we've been kind of engaged in a consultation with you guys trying to improve the pod. This is, you know, going into our third season now come the start of this year. So we've been going a while and things have kind of stayed as they are since we started. And, you know, we, to be frank, we didn't have a, fucking clue what we were doing this time three years ago absolutely none none of us have done anything like this before and we certainly hadn't um created an intro or a video intro we hadn't ever spoken on camera before or anything like that so we are looking to change a few things about the pod and to be honest your suggestions are going to shape what happens with the podcast going forward so there's only nine questions on this thing i think yeah nine questions and you can skip a few of them if you don't want to answer them too so it can be as quick as you like, and we are looking to do things like change the intro, for example. I know that in a couple of bits of feedback we've had, it turns some people off, and to be honest, we're not huge on it either, all of us pretty much. So if you've got an idea for what you think might sound cool as a new intro, allowing for copyright and what have you, then you know, please feel free to throw that information our way. We'd love to hear from you about pretty much anything. The link is in the description on YouTube and on Twitch. And every now and again, I do tweet it out on Twitter as well. So please go and have a look. Please tell us what you think. Really, really appreciate the feedback. Let's jump into a little bit of news. Not a huge amount to go through this week, but the Lions have only one entry on ESPN's top 10 rankings. TJ Hawkinson comes in at number seven at tight ends. Penny Sewell is an honorable mention at offensive tackle with Rashawn Slater at number Three, four tackles in the NFL. The other bit of news is HBO Max are streaming Hard Knocks around the same time as it airs Pride of Detroit's. Jeremy Reisman clarified this on Twitter with HBO directly, which should be hopefully good news for us across the pond as well. We're hoping that Game Pass put it on there as soon as it drops, because otherwise us chatting about it is going to come a bit late, boys. We, we always get it on Game Pass here, don't we? I'm kind of hoping it comes out first thing with them. So we, we should be fine. I'm if hoping not, then so, we can, it can get delayed by a few days. That's the point. Yeah, well, we can bootleg it somewhere or something. Just ignore that I've said we're going to commit a crime on here. Just, you know. I've done fine. I've never owned Game Pass. Come get me. Come lock me up. Take me away. I've never paid for the NFL. So I'll find a way. We'll watch it somewhere. 
What about the top tens? Any surprises with people who did or didn't make it and who perhaps made it over Saul? I mean, I know that Slater apparently had a better year, but... It's no surprise. I'm not surprised we didn't make the top ten anything because we never do. No one likes Detroit. I don't even... We could have one of the most talented rosters in the NFL and they don't like us. They don't dislike us. We're just... They're just forgettable, unfortunately. So I really wasn't that surprised. There are a few people that I would change, let's say. Uh, tackles, let's say. I'd put Taylor Decker in before I'd put Sewell because at least Decker's got a big body of work. And when he came back from injury, the line looked so much better. So to him not even get an honourable mention is quite sad. But the rest of it, not always surprised. I think DeAndre Swift probably could have snuck in at like nine or ten that would have probably been fair to him because there's some backs out there that are incredibly overrated. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm going to use my favourite word here because I haven't used it in a while, but these ratings are balderdash and, and they really are because, <laughs> you know, the criteria changes. We get told that Frank Ragnow isn't in the top 10 of this position because he was injured last season. Okay, that's fair enough. He didn't play last year. So he didn't put top 10. But then you'll look at receivers and you'll see Michael Thomas in there who hasn't taken a meaningful snap because of injury in two years and he's still up there with the elite of the wide receiving there. Well, it's like, hang on, you know, you're saying Ragnar is not in there because of injury, but then, you know, there are injured guys who are still in there. So, you know, it's just, just a big farce at the end of the day, but I learned to not care about these things a while ago, you know, let people sleep on the Detroit Lions. There are a lot of good players here who, you know, if they're not top 10 now could potentially be top 10 in the near future, let them develop, let them shock the league and let the league go, oh, hang on, we have been disrespecting them. Right. So let's crack on with a bit more of our main topic tonight, which is the lines that are going to be free agents in the end of this season, 2023 free agents. And to kind of start us off, at least in the beginning, I want to disregard all the new guys who are here on one-year contracts. We can talk about them maybe after but I got no interest in talking about what contract DJ Chark is going to sign at the end of this season. Like, we could have literally signed him to a longer deal a few weeks ago. So I don't see the merit in that conversation, at least to start this topic off. So I want to have a look at people already on the roster from last season who are finishing the contract at the end of this season. And I picked out a few to kick us off that might stimulate some conversation in some sort of order in offense, defense, and, and positional groups. So you've got the quarterbacks, Tim Boyle and David Blau, who returned on one-year deals. Uh, Jamal Williams, the running back. Evan Brown, the backup center. Then on defense, we've got Alex Anzalone, Josh Woods, Jared Davis, the linebacker. Uh, Jared Davis actually is a returning player, so I should not have included him. Beg your pardon. Amani Oruwari. Are we as the cornerback and then Will Harris as a positionless, useless player and CJ Moore as a special teams player safety. So those are your guys that I picked out. There are a few more on there, such as, you know, restricted free agents. And I've disregarded them because if we want to sign them, we can. So and, and cheap. So there's no real decision to be made there. If they show anything at all, they'll probably return. I also haven't included exclusive rights free agents like Scott Daly, Anthony Pittman, Riley Patterson, Tommy Kramer, Mark Gilbert, Ryan McCollum, because it's very much a kind of similar argument here. I've also disregarded people 
that I really just don't think have a particular shot. I and mean, when I'm talking about someone like Austin Bryant here too, who is an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, but if he makes it out of camp, I'll be, I'll be shocked. Um, and feel free to disagree with me on this. If you want to have a look at the players that are going to be available, I am dropping a ch- uh, link in the chat right now. They're both Twitch and YouTube. So these are the people that we're talking about. Boys, of the guys that we've listed there, shall I just take it from the top and start with Tim Boyle and David Blau? I think this one will be short. But what should bye we bye. be doing there? Bye-bye. <laughs> Get rid of them now. I'm not, even, I'm not even keeping them for the year. Yeah, just, just let, Jock, let Goff do it on his own. <laughs> right, let's have a look at exactly what that would mean for us. There's, there's plenty of good course banks out there now. So our second segment is going to be about current free agents you'd sign. So we can kind of link this in when we get there. But if we were to cut either of those guys, what are we talking about? Um, so for Boyle, Tim Boyle has a $2 million cap hit and you save $1.75 million by... No, you don't save $1.75 You only save a quarter of a million by cutting him and $1.75 million would be dead. Excuse me. And Blau, 1.15 million cap hit, 205,000 dead, 945,000 coming back. So a much, much bigger return by cutting Blau. Am I mad for liking Blau more, though? Yes. Okay. You're mad for liking any of them. And this is coming from someone who was a boil stand this time last year. Yes, you are. Uh, they're, they're both, neither of them are worth their weight in like copper or gold or anything like that. It's let them see their contracts out and then ditch them next year. Cause you know, we got, even if Goff does well, I still think we'll go quarterback in the draft. How high it depends, but still we'll get someone who's better in to do the backup role. So just, just roll with them and then let them go. Back. Uh, what do we have? We have Quirky Zerky saying Blau is going to be around for three more years as quarterback three. After we draft a developmental quarterback next year, his future is as a quarterback's coach. I basically who's, agree who, Who's with his that. developmental quarterback? Well, that's the thing. That's what I just said there. If, if Goff plays really well, you, you draft a development guy. If he plays rubbish, you draft a first rounder. Kind of the way it goes. I'm, I'm still not against drafting the first rounder, even if he plays well, someone falls to you, to be honest. If, like how well he plays doesn't really affect who I want to take. It's just who's available at the time we pick. And that changes with how well Goff plays, but we shall see. Right, let's move on because that conversation, not the most fun. But we can move on to Jamal Williams, which is a bit more of a conversation. I know that Ryan has a, a take on, on Jamal. What would you do with him at the end of the season? Oh, I'll just say bye. I've already accepted that I'm not bringing him back. You can, from what I've seen so far from the other running backs on the roster, we can probably get the same from Reynolds and Jefferson. He will probably want a few million, and I'm not giving it. I am not giving him anything because whatever he asks for for me is too much. At this time in 12 months, I do not want him taking more snaps away from running backs that probably deserve them. I want someone to dislodge him from running back two this year. So I'm challenging Craig Reynolds, Jamar Jefferson, and anyone else, uh, Greg Bell, someone, come in there, take his job, make the decision easier. But even if they don't, if someone don't step up, I'm drafting a running back next year, so I'm not bringing Jamar Williams back regardless. 
The, my take's probably a little more controversial on this, but I think Jamal's future with us depends entirely on what DeAndre Swift does this year. Um, so for me, if Swift has, you know, breaks out as the guy we all know he can be and has a really good productive year here and, you know, Jefferson, Reynolds and that are able to pick up the slack as well, then there's no need for Jamal on the roster. After that, you can pick up another guy. You don't even have to spend like a high pick in the draft. You can get a fifth, sixth round guy, bring him in as a backup, you know, sort of the rotation behind Swift. That's absolutely fine. If DeAndre Swift sucks and doesn't end, you know, if he's still having problems with injuries, you know, if, if you're still not getting the consistency out of him that you want to, and if Jamal does a decent job here this season, then I'd, I'd cut DeAndre. I would be done with him and I would keep Jamal because I need a senior option here as a running back. And then I would go out and draft a running back as well. I, I would go higher on a running back as well. Definitely day two. I think I would look to go after one. Have Jamal up here as the veteran guy. Have this guy come in bed in and still have the rotation behind. So for me, it's dependent. Obviously, Williams has to play well. If Williams just plays bad and Swift plays bad, then can the pair of them. But if Williams plays well, hypothetically, in both these scenarios, then if DeAndre's bad, then DeAndre goes, even though he's in contract. I just think, you know, we can't deal with the inconsistency for too many years. We've just got to cut loose. I know it upset people what next year. If our running game this year is not to scratch, I'm using that late second rounder, late first rounder. I'll take Bijan Robinson. I'll take a first round back and I a first round. I was literally QB. about to ask the question as to whether you want to take him at two one or I, one late. Yeah, there's very good running backs coming through this year. There's a good class of running backs coming through, so you'll get good value for one. So there we go. Um, would you consider? Cutting Williams this season, so no, he's no. no. So his his cap hit is four point four million, and you save two and three quarter million by cutting. See, it's not insubstantial. It is, but what you're losing to your culture is worth more than what you see. You're saving a bit of money, but you are losing a big part of that locker room. You know, you're losing a guy who you know, he inspires those around him. I mean, he didn't have the worst year last year in fairness. You know, he, he, he got used first in a lot of the games. So he's going up against defenses when they're completely fresh. You know, he took a brunt of the hits there. So DeAndre didn't have to, and which is why I've always said Jamal should take first carry in a game over DeAndre because DeAndre's injury issues, let Williams take the heavy hits, let him do the heavy running and soften the defense up for DeAndre to go one off at them. Well, I think well, and also Williams... Didn't yeah. he have? He was in the top three in in runs resulting in a first down last year mm. in the NFL. So like, he, he, he had a he good did, year. He did the dirty work. He did the hard yeah. yards, and and a lot of people don't want to admit that, but there's that. So he does have value in your team, but as I say, he has value to the culture as well. You can see how popular he is everywhere, and you know there is a price to that. You know, I know, I know at the end of the day, you can't just have a guy on the team just for his culture, but he still plays well. And he means a lot to the team. And I think it's it sets a bad example if you just cut him for a bit of money. You know, it's then it's just like your culture means nothing. So it's not worth cutting him this year. If you if you cut him now and touch wood, Swift goes down with an injury, how comfortable are your running back room that's led by Reynolds or Jamar Jefferson? Suddenly oh. then you're scrambling for someone like Royce Freeman. 
or an in the EFL or an XFL running back, and you're pipping someone that might not be fit, and we'll end up with a scenario where we've just got Adrian Peterson again. Like I can't get Williams, I can't get rid of him now just for two point three million because you're setting yourself up for falling. We can get Bo yeah. back. Bring back, back. Bring back, bring back Bo. Hashtag. There's some USFL like backs I like, but not as running back number one if we leave ourselves in a bad position like that. The, the Swift-Williams combo is a good one for us. They both serve a purpose in that running back room, and you need them both. can't have one without the other. Otherwise, you lose a lot of your ability in that backfield. So it is not worth a meager cut this year to cut him now. I mean, so we got asked the question um, from Drew Forsythe, who, who's very active in the chat all the time appreciate him being here most weeks and he says uh well two things really are you carrying four running backs or is jefferson going to be a practice squad guy and he also says about williams i'd let him go now why keep him is he that much better than reynolds and you know going with ryan's point about throwing down the gauntlet to the rb3 rb4 guys to take the rb2 spot i do see a big difference at the moment between those guys. Now, Reynolds has been doing it on limited snaps, but there's a massive difference between him coming in as a change of pace guy and being able to actually carry a load. So Williams can carry a load. It's Swift through, you know, trying to manage his workload and trying to bring him back into the fold or, you know, just looking after him. Williams takes half the snaps. I don't think Reynolds is ready for that yet. And Jefferson, I mean, we're yet to see it because he always keeps getting injured too. So uh, they could get there by the middle of the year. I'm with Ryan. I would be throwing down the gauntlet to them, but banking on it now just doesn't feel right. That's why you keep Williams another year. You keep Williams another year so you can develop Reynolds and Jamar to the point where you don't need him. And you can just say, you know, he's seen his contract out. We've been good to you, Jamal. You've had your two years here. Now we're moving on. We've got Reynolds and Jamal to come in and do the work instead, you know, for us. Um, but as I say, they're not ready yet. Jamal carries the first loads in a game. Do I trust Craig Reynolds to go up against a defense that's like fully, fully amped and ready to go and is going to be laying on the smackdown that little bit harder in a game? I don't think I do. Reynolds comes in later in games. And again, that, that works to his advantage. I'm not saying he's a bad running back, but he's not like a, an opening. He's not an opening running back who's going to take the first salvos from whatever he's going to get. So I just wouldn't trust him to do that yet. And, and as for Drew's other question, would I carry four running backs? Yes, I would. And I would carry four running backs because, you know, I, I said this when we did our 53-man roster. I will carry as many players as I can at our positions of strength. I would carry more wide receivers this year because I think it's a position of strength. I'll keep my good players, even if it means I'm shorthanded in others. I'll keep the good guys because the more good guys I have on this roster, the more chance I have of landing on some of them and filling roster spots for future years. I'm not going to cut running backs whilst I'm carrying in Jared Davis or something like that. You know, I'd, I'd rather just take it where we're strong. If you can stash one on a practice squad, then fine. But for me, I, I wouldn't risk it. I think our running back works room works best in rotation. And I think those four work, could work. They worked in rotation last year. And I would like to see us do it. I'd like to see us use more two-back sets. So you need more guys to do so. So, yeah, keep the most numbers where you're strongest. I mean, so to that point, one of the things I've been really disappointed by with the Lions since we got Williams in for last season is that he really looked like he was coming on, catching the ball out of the backfield. We talked about the fact that he is a dual threat. 
How many times did he catch the ball? I mean, I don't have the stat in front of me, but I just don't remember it happening particularly much. We were saying he's got this ability. We never used it. Not really. So I want to see us give him a bloody chance. You know, like it doesn't feel like we've been doing the best we can for him. I'd agree. And it, it, that also helps your team because I can't remember who said I was having the discussion with someone and it's, it's a lot easier to read our plays judging on who we've got in our backfield. Because if you've got Jamal Williams on the field, odds are it's going to be a run play because that's what Jamal Williams does. DeAndre's in the backfield, then there's a lot more likelihood that, you know, you're going to pass the ball a bit because you don't run it as much when he's on. So, you know, if you expand his repertoire and getting him catching passes out the backfield, it makes the offense harder to read or have both of them in there. But I agree. I think, I think you have to try and use both facets of his game simply to stop other teams being able to read what you're doing. We've got a really interesting question coming up from the man himself in the chat, Lions Talk, with Micro Mike. But we're going to get to it in just a little bit when we actually come on to the linebacker spot shortly. Uh, just on about how we let him walk, uh, Jamal, if we let him walk. We had Quirky Zerky saying, case in point, they let Jalen Reeves maybe walk because they valued him less than he did. And that's, the, that's where I'm at with all of this in terms of Jamal. I don't have any singular price that's like too high for me. We, and this goes for every single guy on the roster. If he values himself more than the Lions value him, he's gone. At the end of the day, I am not overpaying for players. I don't care who you are. I'm not doing it. Unless you, you can get a few years down the wine, uh, line. We're, why? Got it on the brain. We're a bit more competitive. <laughs> Come get a bottle and, of and our quarterback says he wants a, an extension. You know, then then I can kind of get over a barrel, and I'm kind of okay with that. But at the point where we're in this rebuild, we're hoping to get somewhere. There's absolutely no incentive for me to overpay for someone. But if Jamal comes in, has a good season, and says, "I'd love to come back for two and a half mil," like I'm seriously considering that because even on the vet minimum, you're not saving much. Like it really. The value comes in what he does this year and then what he asks for. And I guess a lot of my answers are going to be in that sort of realm, but I'm going to kind of estimate how good he can be. And I think Jamal could be very, very good in this offense. So I might be willing to do a bit more to keep him here than others will, because you know what? Craig Reynolds is a great story. Do I see him being RB2 long-term? Sorry, but I don't. And do I think that, Jermar Jefferson can be the guy long-term. You know what? I just think that the guy is going to be unlucky in his career here. What we've seen so far, I, I really don't know whether he's going to get the chance. Like, I just doubt whether he can actually do that. And so if Jamal does come in and do well and we don't want to spend a draft pick on him, but we can bring him back cheaply, I'm all for it. Yeah, and this is why it's difficult to do something like this now because you are pontificating on something that might possibly happen or might not possibly happen. You know, we, we don't know whether we're going to keep him until we've seen them play this year. But, you know, like you said, if if he plays well and the finances are right on the deal and, you know, I hate, I hate all the things that goes around about player A wants this, he wants that. It's like the stuff with Hawk. Everyone's saying he wants elite money. We don't know what he wants. These players don't come out and say what they want. So, you know, if, if he does come back and say he wants the decent money, then yeah, let him go, whatever. But, you know, we've got to wait and see first. But, I mean, like, the, the Jalen Reeves-Maben thing, 
I mean, letting him go was completely justified. I, I'm absolutely delighted that we didn't go after him for that price value. And to be honest, <laughs> probably showed a little bit of a lack of loyalty given that we kept him around for so long, took him on the first team and then just decided to go and get himself paid. Didn't give himself a hometown deal here. I'm I'm very glad we got rid of him. Um, but yeah, again, if the, if the finances are right and he plays right, sure, why not? But again, there's a lot of intangibles at play here, which we just don't know about. Bigger 70 also says on Twitch chat, it's also an interesting question if you trust Holmes that he can find a running back at the right spot in the draft. I mean, I trust him with my life, never mind the draft. So, you know, I probably back him. But my problem with banking on the draft is you just, you only have so many picks. Like when we go into next draft, I just want to upgrade everywhere. And you know what? Running back ain't a priority to, to me. You look at what San Francisco does with UDFAs at the running back position. It's not about devaluing the position. If we can get Bijan Robinson top of the second, I'm probably going to be all for it. Late first, yet to be convinced. He could be maybe one of the best running backs all time until any injury ruins his career. God knows what happens with running backs, but we've all seen it before. But See, that's funny because he... me and Ryan both said in our, running backs in our top four priorities for next year. I just and think I it's... still believe that. Because I just think it's easy to replace. Like, no. when we got Adrian Peterson in, it was a bad move. And I'm not sure whether I said it at the time. I think we pretty much all said it at the time, but I'm not 100% and I'm not going to go back and check. But, like, I think we all said we'd much rather take a swing at someone younger who has upside who could perhaps be something long-term rather than this guy who might be productive for one year. Like, there's plenty of guys who go undrafted, like Greg Bell, who could come in and actually be something. Like, I don't know what Greg Bowles look like in camp, but there's so many of these guys available and still are available. We'll have a look at the 2022 um, current free agents at the moment, but there's a lot of people on there. There is, but, you know, people say you can you can just get a running back off the street and that. That's not entirely true. They're, they're, you know, there's a lot behind it. I mean, everybody uses San Francisco as the point. Oh, yeah, you can get a running They've got Elijah Mitchell in the fifth round and he's done great. But there, um, there's more to it than that. One, the scheme that they're running there sort of sits it. But that offensive line is running behind. You've got Trent Williams, who is an absolute freak and the best tackle in the NFL by some distance. You've got Mike McGlinch, who's one of the best right tackles in all of football in there. You've got a hell of a... You've got George Kittle, who is an absolute freak at tight end. You know, the system doesn't work without him there. You're only putting those UDFA guys and late round guys in there who are having success because of what you've got in front of you doesn't just necessarily translate at some point sometime you do need a running back who has the skill necessary to be able to work with without an elite offensive line and you know an elite quarterback something to work with so it's not just as easy as saying you can pick one up up off the street and it's going to be fine at some point you do have to invest capital in one as long as you don't do it all the time and you're smart with it then it's fine I mean, the Steelers did it with Najee Harris. Was it the wrong thing? Maybe not. But he got 1,000 yards behind that trash offensive line. And, you know, he's probably going to be a good back for them for some time. And if you get someone like him with an extra pick, you have to think about it. And I know Drew's going to go crazy because he's all about his analytics and all that. But, you know, it's not as simple as just saying you can drag someone in off the street and they'll do well. It's really not. If it's not easy, then why have we not done it? Because we've had about exactly. back the last 10 years and our run game has been absolute dog shit. Yeah, but it's the same reason. It's the same dollar, reason why we couldn't build around shit. Stafford. Though. We, like, we've, we, we, we couldn't we've, build around Stafford because our GMs were worth shit. 
But that's the thing. There's a team built in San Francisco for running backs to be successful all the time, no matter where they come from. You know, your running back doesn't need the most skill in the world if he's running behind an elite offensive line and blockers. Well, then, so why? But then, why are we paying running backs at all here? Because our keys to success for this season are running behind one of the best offensive lines we've ever seen here. Like, we are all banking on that offensive line being that good. And if it is that good, we don't need a game breaking running back. You've just said it. We can go cheap. But in 12 months, will we? You know, the, the line, it, things change. Injuries happen. We don't know what's going to happen. There's a good chance that Palapool Ivati is gone next year, you know, just because of the cap implications and depending on what they want to do there. It's a piece that switches, and then it's not necessarily the best in the world. And, you know, we're still to have an elite blocking tight end. Hawk ain't that good at the minute. He's all right, but he ain't George Kittle-esque. The receivers, you know, do all right with it, but you've got to have the whole package together for that to work. And, you know, that you can use outliers and stuff like that for doing all right. But at some point, you have to put some investment in it. And I mean, you know, the Lions, for the most part, we've, we've we, we had the second in DeAndre. We've had a couple over the years, but we've not really invested heavily in the running back position. And we've not we've ever really had a good running game. And, you know, those two are those two are linked. All right, let's move this on now to our last offensive guy on this list, which is Evan Brown, backup center, got paid a little bit in this offseason to return. Are you guys thinking about bringing him back once again? Do you think it was the right move to do what we did? And, you know, is he going to be happy if Ragnall stays fit all season, you know? I'd keep him for as long as I can keep my hands on him. Backup offensive linemen and good ones are rare. You know, unless you have a great offensive line coach, which we just so happen to have. But how long is Hank Fraley going to be around here? Who knows? The way he's going, he's going to get a big job somewhere, be it with us higher up or another team. And, you know, whilst you've got good players here and he's developing good players, you have to try and keep hold of them. Now, maybe is the thinking, I know he plays centre, but, you know, are they going to try him at guard this year? Are they going to train him all season at guard? And then, you know, in 12 months' time, like I said, we might have a position at right guard available if they decide they want to go that route with the money. Does Evan Brown slot in at right guard next year? It depends. But for now, you keep him because, you know, Ragnar's just coming off a serious injury, so you don't know whether you can trust him to be fit or not. So you need to keep him here. And even in future years, you know that Evan Brown could come in and do a job. So... You know, again, a lot can happen in a season. But if you're asking now over what's happened and, you know, if he comes in and he's good relief and that this year, absolutely, you fight really hard to keep him. For me, if he's just a centre, then no. He has to, I want to see that he can play another position. If I say, I agree, I would like to try to see him at guard. I would like a natural successor to Vitae on this team. If that can be Evan Brown, that's great. If he's just a centre... It's going to come down to pence for me. It's going to come down to the money. If, like, say, he values himself too much in the 12 months' time, then no, I won't bring him back. But if we can agree on deal and if it can work for both parties, then sure, I'll be happy to keep him around. But I feel like this is a big year for him. He can't just rest on his laurels and hope at some point he gets playing time. He needs to be tried pushing some other guys to take snaps, especially at that guard position. But as a guy, we have shown that, like, so we have seen the last few years that. 
when we do get down to bare bones, we do need some offensive linemen. So I would like to find a way to keep him around next year. If I'd like a bit of uh, versatility from him. I mean, we don't have an out in Ragnar's contract for years. So there has to be a reason they've brought him back. It can't just be to sit him as a backup centre. I think that there's a plan behind bringing him back here. And, you know, I say, you're not, you're not just getting him here to come and sit on the bench for five years and, you know, keep him as long as you can until Ragnar's done. This is not going to happen. So I think there's a plan to play him at guard. I really do. I think they'll give, the, give him the season. We might not see him very much. But behind the scenes, I reckon you'll see a, a, him taking tons of snaps there. Can he replace Halapulavati on a permanent basis next year? Save us a lot of money. Maybe. Because, you know, we, we'd save some money on it for sure. He's got a battle. I'd like to see him, I'd like to see him battle Abina as a for guard position next year. Like I said, one of them hopefully will be the guard of the future. Do you mean Abina? Isn't Eze I... the tackle? Eze's a tackle, but Obeyed's he could kick the, in, I guess. Obeyed's he's the guard. No, no, he can't. Yeah, he, yeah, he's too big, isn't he? Obeyed's the guard. The Obeyed's and uh, Kevin Jarvis is the other UDFA guard. But yeah, I, do. I just don't see Evan Brown as a guard. I, I just don't see him with the skill set, the body type. The guy struggles with lateral movement. Like, that's not a good guard trait. It's fine as a centre. He had a good snap. And he he did amicably in the place of uh, Frank Ragnow. I thought he was very, very good there. I just don't see a skill set that translates to guard. And to be honest, I wouldn't try. I just, as if I was him, try to be the best centre I could and see where that takes me. If I get re-signed for one and a half, two million dollars every year doing what he's doing, then power to him. And I would re-sign him on that basis every single year because I do think he provides tremendous backup ability without ever really threatening the starters. He's someone who's going to come in as better than a lot the of guys. The trouble is he's come season. in and produced as a starter for three quarters of a season. It's and not he, like he, it's not like he can't prove that he has. And you know, to say that he can't translate, I feel that's a bit harsh because they were his first starts in the NFL last year. You couldn't have asked for any more from a backup coming in that situation to replace one of the top two centers in football to the point where you don't even miss him is amazing and that speaks to him and his you know attitude and his ability i think you've at least got to give him a chance and he's going to have a full year of this he's going to have a full year to batten down and try and transfer his skills to another part of the line not like he's got to do it in a month or two and we've got to make a decision on whether he's going to be a starter or not to be a long-term project sure i i I think if we are trying to cross-chain in at guard, I wonder whether that impacts him being as good as he can be at centre when I just don't think he possesses the natural skill to do it. Like, I would rather play Tommy Kramer at guard right now than Evan Brown at guard. I just think Tommy Kramer's a better guard. But at centre, it's absolutely no contest. Evan Brown... I don't think you'll play Brown. I don't think you'll play Brown at guard, even if you need one, you'll use Kramer. I just don't think you'll see him all season. I think they'll be training him. This will be a season about training, not playing. Maybe. Seeing if he can hold the role for next year. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I, I'd still rather keep Vitae for the length of this deal now if he carries on what he's doing. But I can understand where they come from if that's where they're looking for extra money next year. Because obviously it's Goff, it's Brockers, it's Vitae next year where you look at massive savings for the team. So th- th- there's always going to have to be a plan B in case. I mean, my plan B is... Re- place by tie next season and it's by drafting someone 
uh, in the fourth or fifth round. Like, I just think there's going to be guys available that you can draft in the interior offensive line. They're going to come in day one and be better than than Evan Brown will be a guard, than Tommy Kramer will be a guard. I just, that's what I think. But you'll have made your decision by then. You'll have made your decision yeah. by the end of this season as to whether Brown's put in off or not. So, True. all right. Just hopefully that fourth or fifth round pick is better than Logan Stenberg because we took that gamble already and he's Mr. Invisible. So we'll see. Thank yeah, you. I mean, picked by the previous regime, we shall say. But... Yes, but the previous regime, whose only good picks for this team were on the offensive line. Yeah, okay, but asking you to hit on every single every single pick you make on that line is a bit of a hard ask too. Is you know that's sh- a really unfair thing to say. I mean, you're shitting on the only thing the old regime that did good there. I never in a, in a kind of backhanded way, anyway. Yeah, but all I'm saying is, you know, they missed on an area that traditionally they were strong in. So, you know, it's not as simple as we can draft a guy next year and he come in and be an instant starter. Brown will have been here two years by then, and if he's learnt the system, he will be in a damn sight better position to start than a rook will. Again, all I theory, but I, I I think the reason they've brought Evan Brown back. You know, to be a backup centre, of course, but I think it's a one-year swing to see if they can turn him into a guard so they don't have to spaff a pick in the draft next year on one. If you can turn him into a guard, cut Vitae, save $10 million on him and use Brown and give him, what, four or five million, whatever, prove it deal to play guard, save yourself a good chunk of money there which you can go spend elsewhere. Yeah, Dan makes a good point. Stenberg versus Kramer will be a really fun camp battle. Um, I'm still on the Logan train. I think Logan's still going to surprise people. I do. Maybe. Uh, He he had big penalty issues and sometimes the discipline takes a long time to work out at the next level. You saw what happened with Ode Abushi. Once he eradicated the penalties from his system, he was a damn sight better guard than he was previous to it. So if you can get that discipline on the plate, then Logan's got a much better chance of succeeding rather than just the, sticking him out there and ruining his confidence. Mm. It might be the better thing to have kept him under wraps for so long and at least try. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason he's still on the roster, but we'll see if he remains on it after this offseason. Um, Ode Ibushi, I was listening to the PFF NFL podcast recently. They listed him as the league average guard. He was picked as the epitome of the league average guard, which I thought was quite an honour for him, actually, considering that when he was with us, he was basically fodder. Yeah, absolutely. That last Um, season, he was decent. I was sad when we let him go. Yeah, I wanted to keep him, for sure. Shame. Anyway, let's let's transition this now to a discussion on the defensive players along here. So we're going to start with a couple of linebackers. This won't be hard. (laughs) (laughs) And we'll start with Alex Anzalone. I think that the podcast was fairly unanimous in not really wanting to bring him back. But he came quite cheaply, and he's going to provide something that I think a lot of the guys on the rest of the roster at the moment still don't provide, at least at this moment in time. Would you consider at all resigning him at any price? No. No. No, for me, because he's on there because of his leadership, let's say. He's the veteran in there, the green dot guy, you know. And that gives him an edge on other players when it's coming there. We've got no outstanding talent at linebacker at this moment in time. So that's why he's here. Next year, 
I fully in, I fully expect us to go heavy and go hard. And when Noah Sewell is a Detroit Lion, there's no need for Alexander Loney because there's your leader. There's your lynch point. There's your focal guy who you're going to use in your linebacker room. He's going to be the do-it-all dominating presence. And hopefully some of these rookies will have developed year one and will be able to complement him well enough. But now it's all about Noah Sewell next year and Anzalone is going to be gone. So on Noah Sewell, we were asked the question I said earlier by Mike Cromike that I was going to come to on the linebacker chat. And Ron, I'll put this to you alongside these two guys as well. What's the earliest you're considering a linebacker in the 2023 NFL draft? So potentially you're saying maybe we're replacing both of these guys. So the other guy, apart from Alex Anzalone, is Josh Woods returning. Uh, we could potentially be replacing both of those guys. Where would you be taking a linebacker? When's the earliest? First round. Our linebacker room is still trash. It's got no better. It's no. still just as bad on paper as last year. Next year, we have the car. I've said for two years now, they have neglected the position. Like I said, they've had good drafts, but we have neglected a very important position. Now, I love Malcolm Rodriguez. He's great. Has he got his flaws? Absolutely. Is this a good linebacker class coming up again? Yes. Henry Tautu, like I say, you've got the likes of him. You've got Noah Sewell trade up for Landerson, who have two picks first round the next year. We've got to get a difference maker. Alex Anzalone in it. Don't want him back next year. Don't want Josh Bad's back this year. I didn't want Anzalone back now. I don't want him now. He just reeks of consistency. I say it's just, it's just a familiar face to have back next year. Like I said, that's all the reason they brought him back is familiarity and a bit of leadership. I beg someone takes that green dot off him fairly quickly because he's got limitations. He's also injury prone as well. How many games do we get out of him this year? I under over under 12, I'm gonna say. I I bet he misses at least one period of a knock because he's often injured. So that is one position we have got to address next year. And if we wait until the third or fourth round next year again, I will raise a big red flag because I guarantee we'll struggle at the position again this year. Unless we're going to pay out in free agency, because we're going to have a lot more free agency money. Yeah. But I'm with Ryan. I'd pull a JMO for Noah Sewell next year, and I wouldn't think twice about it. Depend, obviously, depending on where we're picking. But one has to assume that we're probably going to be around, what, 10, 15 I'd say maybe optimistically, but let's just say seven to 15. We're going to be in that range. And then the Rams are likely to be 25 plus again. You know, maybe the top 10 is too early for Noah Sewell. Who knows, depending on what sort of year that he has. Obviously, he's got to have another great year. But if everything goes to plan, I'd completely pull a JMO for him. He's that good. I mean, you saw the look on Brad Holmes's face when they got Penney, you know, We've always said that Noah can be better at his position than what Penne is. That is just how good he is. And to hell with all this thing about you don't need a good linebacker in your ranks or something like that. Screw that. If I can get my hands on a top-tier linebacker, I'll go out and bloody well get him. The books went out and did it with Levante David, and they've not exactly suffered for going so high on a linebacker. He won a Super Bowl in his first year. I'm not going to say that Sewell's going to do it with us next year, but you know what you get with him? You know what you get from his family? player is committed, dedicated, and he will revitalize that linebacker room in one. And as Ryan says, we have neglected it far, far, far too long. If we're not going to address it high in the draft, then we need to address it with some moolah in free agency because it's just completely and utterly unacceptable 
how bad that room is. We were chatting about it in our Discord today. There is not one player in our linebacker group who deserves starter level snaps. Not one. And that is indicative of just how bad it is at this moment. It could be good. And I've said, if you use them rotationally, it could be very good this year, at least what for what we need. But next year, you've got to get a bona fide game-changing starter in there. And it starts with him. So I'm looking down the list at the moment of uh, Pro Football Network's list of linebackers and where they're projecting right now. I know it's going to change massively between now and the draft, but it's all I have to go on right now, right? Like, these, this is what people think of these guys coming in. And there are six linebackers currently in the top two rounds. You have Noah Sewell at 11, Henry Teoteo at 22, Justin Flo at 26. So that's three in the first round. Trenton Simpson at 36, Ivan Pace Jr. at 56, and DeMarvian Overshone at 64. Now, that's a wealth of talent at linebacker in the first two rounds. Overshone, I was really high on in this cycle, and he decided to go back. Teo Teo, I think, also decided to go back, and he was eligible, I think. Um, Justin Flo has and- been out injured for an entire Duh. year with a massive injury. Sure. A massive um, injury. I will never so, touch floor. He's a huge red flag. The guy halfway through round three is someone I was high on this year as well who returned, Owen Papa. Yeah, but he, I mean, he, he, he disappeared into round five and six of the draft cycle this year. That's why he went back. His stock plummeted. And I know we're trying to do that thing again. We're trying to do that thing of there's other guys. We don't need to go that high. Why? Why do we not need to go that high? What what draft capital have we ever put in at linebacker? Apart from Jared Davis, let's forget about that. But you need to really go for it. And July, July. Th- th- yeah, I, mean, I, I just not. completely disagree. Yeah, with a you. decent one, but there's a gap here. One, I, I completely yeah, disagree. I don't. I think there's some really good linebackers this year, but linebacker for me right now. Where this team is at is number... Well, again, right now, it's number one priority next year. That's how bad things are. It's number one priority to get a really good linebacker in this team. Really is. And I don't think that's going to change much during the season. Depending on how Goff does, quarterback could soon overtake it, but it's still going to be in the top two or top three. And we've got three picks in the top two rounds, so I'm picking, I'm picking one guy at linebacker in those top two rounds as a bare ass minimum. And oh that yeah, be- top top two rounds for sure. But what I was trying to highlight is Overshone was one of those guys who was getting a lot of first round chatter last year, and he is at sixty four right now. I just really? feel like I, I swear I saw a few he was times. Awful. As him. He was uh, awful. Yeah, him. yeah, I, I think that's a stretch. Oh. And that, and again, that's what I mean. It's easy for. Pro Football Network to go, there's all these guys here this year, but there's a lot wrong with some of them. Like I say, Flo's coming back off a horrific injury. Yeah, don't know what you're going to get. Noah has been consistent, he has been healthy, and he's been elite. Get that every year. And we got his brother here, so we know exactly the type of player he's going to be. So, even back to the thing, there needs to be an elite pick put in a linebacker next year. Needs to be a round one pick for me. Plain I'll go, and simple. I'll, I'll go whether, another, the, whether another guy comes along or not, another guy might come along. But right now, it's fixed on him. 
the very highest I'll go is the Rams pick, and I would be willing to trade up a few spots from wherever that is to go and get someone, but it's the absolute highest I'll go. And to be honest, I don't really want to do it, and, and I'd much rather it be the, the second round pick, personally. But that's that's where I'm at. Just to that's answer fine. The question. But all I would say to anyone who is like who doesn't want to do it, who would go, oh, I'll pick a round four, five guy, whatever. If you're going to go into next year with around even a three, around three, four, five rookie as your focal guy, that what you're going to do? Because you know you're gonna you might have some rookies this year, but your room is going to be just as trash next year if you're developing someone that late. It's going to take them a couple of years. I mean, and, I'll, I'll know, say exactly the same for a round one linebacker. There's very, very few round one linebackers that hit the ground running. Just because one guy did it last year doesn't mean they all do it. As much as Levante David did it, you know, Micah Parsons has done it. It, it depends Micah on the, Parsons it depends, didn't do it a linebacker, though. And it Levante on the David did get. well, but like... Okay, yeah, but again, people cherry-picking here. I could go through and find enough linebackers. Hang on, you're cherry-picking here. You just picked out the two best guys. Why don't you pick out the Yeah, but you said, you, said there's, you said there's no chance that, you know, the, a linebacker in round but, one could... I said the majority of first-round linebackers do not hit the ground running. And I think that's true. No, but I'd rather pick one who has elite traits than sure. a maybe swipe in the middle of a draft. And That's all we've done at linebacker is hit and hope. That's all we've done. And the previous regime just picked completely the wrong attributes for this team as well. They may have picked high, but they picked the wrong guys. Oh, you know, yeah. this time no you are there. with a GM who will pick the right guy because he, that's what he does. Even if they're going to fail, he, they will have the right attitude. They will have the right skill set. They'll be in the best position to succeed. And if they don't, it's on them. Whereas with a lot of the guys we've had before, it was coaching, which killed them. But uh, I'll, I'll just say the final message is a high draft pick needs to be put into the linebacker room next year. Sans them going hard on someone in free agency. Okay. Ash in the switch chat says, for every Parsons and David, you have a Patrick Queen, Devin Bush, and Jared Davis. Dan Pask says, who's Devin Lloyd? Queen now. Oh, yeah, Devin Lloyd. Who's Devin Lloyd in this year's coming, uh, in the next year's draft? 2023 draft, who's Devin Lloyd right now? Oh, Christ. Who's the guy who's replaced him at... Um... Utah. Utah. I mentioned um, him. It's the guy who's gone over from Florida. Mohamed uh, Mohamed Diabati. Yeah. Mohamed Diabati is potentially the next Devin Lloyd. There, I, I can see exactly why he's transferred there. Um, he's got the all-round skill set to go and succeed. I, I think the only thing with him is his pass rush is not as good as what the um, Devin Lloyd's is. But apart from that, the coverage skills. You know, the blitzing skills, skills against the run are just as good. So I think I said it on the college pod. Mohamed Diabati is a big one to watch for. And it's in a Utah system which works for the linebackers like that. Just not enjoying the Edifan Olofosio uh, shade here because he's not been mentioned yet at the linebacker. Who's throwing shade on Olofosio? You are by not mentioning him. No, I'm not. I'm only, I he's, he's, he's had a, he had an injury last year. It's yeah. the same old thing. I can't. I can't say anything. I, I can't. I can't agree for Justin Flo because he's been injured badly last year. It's the same I can't do with Olafosio. He's been injured. Um, right. Let's move. Still this a good player. Chat. Let's move this chat on now to the cornerback position, and we got a couple of guys here heading towards free agency as it currently stands. 
Amani Oruwarie, and I'm convinced that Will Harris is a cornerback at this point. I do not want to ever see him take snaps to safety again. If he looks like a somewhat competent cornerback, then fine. What are we doing with Amani and Will, boys? If, if you think Will's a cornerback, then I've got a moon made out of cheese here to sell for you. I've been eating a lot of you. cheese recently. It's good stuff. I don't, anyway. want, I don't want Will Harris taking snaps on this team. Again, I'm done. I've washed my hands of him. I don't care about this gift, this yeah. bullshit Mike Tyson position. He is not good enough. He's struggled. He's shown liabilities. Don't want him there. Armani needs to prove to me this year that he doesn't just scoop up crap interceptions. But if he has an okay season, I'll pay him as a cornerback two. He is yeah. not cornerback one. And if he's cornerback one next year, we're in trouble again. Well, I'm I'll with... Another... Sorry, go on, Ryan. I want to see... I want to see another, like, another five, six interception year from him. If he regresses this year and in a big way and he goes up in a shell and he clams up, I'll let him walk. Because I can... I, I say no answers. I'm not going to put words in his mouth. But he will go somewhere and he will want paying. He will feel like he's got a body of work now. I expect him to want reasonable money. And for me, I want a return on that investment this year. So if he goes out there, gives me five, six interceptions again, I'll give him it. There's a three-year deal. There's your good cornerback two money. And then we'll address the cornerback one situation. I'll tie him down if he gives me a good year. So I'm very open to keeping him. I think I'm in complete agreement with Ryan there. Um, if he has another good year, I'll give him cornerback two money, but in no situation, in no possible scenario, am I giving him cornerback one money? I'm not even considering it, unless that coverage gets a damn sight better this year. He got interceptions last year, but he still got cooked too many times for my liking. And cornerback ones don't get cooked like that too often. And, you know, he'd, he would have to have something short of like one of the best years by a lot years by a Lions cornerback in forever. Couldn't even name you the last one who probably had an elite season outside of Slay. You'd have to have a Slay-esque year, really, right. for me to even consider. But I, 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 I think in ninety-nine percent of scenarios, like Doctor Strange, it's um, I'm giving him cornerback two money and no more. So. Give me some figures, boys, on what the sort of deal is that you'd be looking at for him. Let's say he has a good year, you want to re-sign him. What, what sort of money are you looking at? You say you don't want to pay him CD1 money, but you're happy to pay him high-end CD2 money. What, what does that look like? What's he on now? Oh, he's on, he's on uh, rookie deals, so he's probably on one million. I'll give him three, four million dollars a year. That's fair. Give him like, Ooh. give him like three. Uh, give him like so, Rasul so Douglas. Two point six right now. Two point six. Rasul Douglas just got paid seven million a year by the Packers, and he had he's had one good year. They've had to kind of overpay him, maybe right. to keep him there a bit. But you know, I, I'd be, I'll give him three years and fifteen million dollars. See, I I mean, what's what's the lead? Who gets who gets eight? So Taron Johnson, Kenny Moore, Ahmed Gardner's on eight, Akuda's on eight, Davis Stingley's earning more, Kendall Fuller, Steph again. You know what? If he has a really good year, I could give him maybe like three years, 23 million, 22 million, maybe seven, something like that. If he has another really, really good year. But I'm not even looking 
past the 10 million. I'm not looking into the double figures for millions. I'm not even coming close. I just think he's not a cornerback one. And I think, again, depending on what happens this year, I, I still think I still think we're going to be looking for a cornerback one next year. And oh, yes. Yeah. I, I think I we're going to have so. to draft someone very high, but... If if corner if 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 Amani's my number two, I'm very happy if he's had two good successive years. But so, uh, still, there's no way I'm paying him corner about one money ever. Quirky Zerky says four years, twenty five million. Ash says the most I'd go to is seven and a half million average a year. I was kind of in ants realm, three years, twenty million, fifteen guaranteed, like a bit lower on the on the average, but higher on the yeah. guaranteed than I, I'd, I'd like. Maybe, to see. I'd, I'd maybe hike the incentives for him a bit. Mm, yeah, maybe high, the, because I mean they've done similar with Tracy and um, Charles, haven't they? I mean, there's quite a lot of incentives on those deals for them to to get more, and I think I think that's going to be Brad Holmes' style. Unless you've got a true breakout superstar on your hands, I don't think they're going to go max on anybody and really put in some eye eye watering numbers. I expect the same with Hawks this year. I think they're going to be very reasonable. I think Hawk's going to be very reasonable. You know, he's been injured. The production's been all right, but it hasn't been elite. I would expect them to maybe come up with a long-term deal, which is high on incentives for him to perform and do well. I just think that's how Brad Holmes goes about his, his way. So, yeah, 3-24, yeah. and highly incentivized. I'm, I'm quite happy with that. But, again, is Amani going to want that? We've seen someone who's... I mean, Jamal Agnew got paid ludicrous money last season. JRM's been paid ludicrous money this year for someone of his skills. Someone will always overpay if they're desperate enough. So that 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 means we might not get a choice in the matter. But you know, if someone's going to overpay him, then then great. Good, you know, you've earned your bag. Go get it. If he should be coming along nicely next year, so hopefully it's less of a problem if we can't get him. Yeah, absolutely. Chrome says he's not worth CD1 money, but Drew thinks he's going to get paid 11 to $12 million a year. I think that's a lot higher than, well, not, than not we think else. he's Not by be. me. Not by no, me. Not by if, me. The, if, if he's averaging 11 a year with a lot, with heavily incentivized deal, just about cope with it, but not a lot of guaranteed on that. I just... No. I don't think you can ask for that because at the minute he's had one steady season, really. You know, he's been inconsistent for the most part. Last year was the first semi-consistent season and he didn't have much help around him. So he's got a lot of help around him this year. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be performing extremely well. And if he doesn't, then again, you've got to kind of take that into your analysis. You know, analytically from what you've seen of him, is he worth 11 or 12 million, Drew? I don't see how you can say from what we've seen of him so far, he's worth that. And I don't think we should pay it him. Drew says that's CB2 money. I just respectfully disagree. I, I think there's very few CB2s that are getting that sort of money. I mean, we were All saying right, let we me, pay him high-end CB2 money, but I feel like that's really, really high. While you research that... We'll so there, just... are 20, there are 22 corners earning 10 million plus in the league this year. So, so by definition, even... that's less than all the CB1s in the league. Yeah, there should be 32 CB1s in the league. There are only 22. I mean, obviously, some are on rookies, and they're probably going to go up on that. But, I mean, who have you got? Kendall Fuller, Darius Williams, Stefan Gilmore, Ronald Darby, 
Dante Jackson, Adoree Jackson, Shaquille Griffin, Javarius Ward, Jesus. Adoree Jackson, there's Christ. Some, there's some overpays in here. I mean, how I is mean, he that? I mean, Marcus Peters is earning 14 million. You would say Marcus Peters is a good cornerback. Yes. He's earning 14 million this year. What's Slay on? What does Slay get? Uh, Slay this year is on 16.6. 16.6? Jesus Christ. Drew said, is this not the sort of money you'd ask for if your ROI is Asian? Yeah, but it is a negotiation. Oh, yeah. We're, 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 like, we're, sure. We're, we're saying it from our point of view, though. We're, we're, you know, this is what we would pay him. I have no doubt his agent will be going in. And if right, if he pulls off another five or six picks this year and he's walking into the office with 12, 13 picks in his last two seasons, then, you know, he's got a lot of leverage, especially in a room that potentially, if, if all the other cornerbacks in our room suck this year, if the rookies don't come through, if Akuda's hit by injury, then we've not got a whole lot there and his bargaining position becomes a lot stronger. Whereas on the flip side, if, if he turns into a starting corner if Akuda comes back and plays like he does and the young guys start playing well then we can almost afford to let him go you know a lot of this is going to come you know there's, there's going to be a new story to tell come January as to, as to what's gone on this year and you know to, to how badly we need him yeah it's more about how everyone else plays and how he plays in an ideal world we don't need him yeah we let him go like say go get your bag somewhere else pal go chase the money because we've got an adequate replacement right here. That would be a nice ideal world. He gets paid, and we have his replacement already here. I mean, in an ideal world, I'd like to see him play well and stay on good money. You know, like Harrison Walker, they're not on breaking bank deals. You know, I, I would like to see him stay. He's one of ours. We drafted him. You don't like to let your draft pick go if they play well. But again, if the money's too much, then... There has to be a point where you say, you know, I do love you as a player, but it's just a bit too much. All right, let's then move on to the final one, which is CJ Moore. Obviously, core special teams player plays every punt play as the personal protector. Also, can play snaps at the safety, although ideally he never, ever would. Um you you've got to pay some people on special teams, surely. Is there is there a way he finds his way onto the twenty twenty three roster for you guys? If he's happy to be a career special teamer and see very little action on the pitch, then fine, that's fine. I'm quite happy with that. If he's got demands to be in the team, then sorry, but bye. We've just got too many of these special teams guys who just are not good enough in the first team. And, you know, a good team doesn't have those guys. It doesn't have lots of special teamers who are below average starters or, you know, important rotational pieces in your side. So, no. Unless he's prepared to just spend his life playing special teams, then no. Yeah, if you pay him a a core special teamer, it's bet minimum. Anything more, Carlton likes it. This team has now shown that he's not willing to just let special teamers get paid, take a ride, take the old snap on the field. Mike Ford, JRM, both gone in the last two years because they did it on special teams, didn't really work out on the field. And I know we keep saying, like, and we know he protects the punter. For Christ's sake, teach someone else to do it this year, please. We can't just keep bringing him back because he plays that one key position. Because that is very narrow-minded. That is a very tunnel vision way to look at things. At least get him to try show someone else how to do it. But yeah, 
if he'll come back on a good deal just to play special teams and he delivers, sure. But he's not good enough to start. I mean, at 100%. worst, you can spath a sixth or seventh round draft pick on a, a promising special team or out of college and teach them. Cost you nothing, really, to replace. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I, I'd give him I'd give him one year, one and a half million dollars for the rest of his career if he wanted, to be honest. I'm I'd be perfectly happy with that. At the end of the day, the special teams unit is very, very good. Jack Fox, one of the best punters in the league, and he can only punt if he's protected well. So that's got to reflect well on CJ Moore and what he's done the last couple of years. But like Ryan says, we, we've lost core members of our special teams and we still have good special teams. We're not missing, you know, we're not Killer missing Brew. Ford. We're not missing Killer Brew. They've gone. Okay, There's someone but, else's problem but the difference now. between a gunner or just a, another player and the... I'm the, sorry, the, but like Ryan says, it's... No, I'm sorry. You can go out and find someone else. You really can. I'm sure you can teach a person to be a protector. I'm you sure you can't it's... not be able to go onto the street and find a running back. If you can't go onto the street and teach someone to play special teams, we need to be in a position. Yeah, we need to be in a position where our special teamers are good enough to be progressing through into the first team, not sitting stagnant there. Good teams will have a good first team and they will have good guys in special teams waiting for their opportunity to go forward. He's had his chance. Our safety room has been bare as anything. It's been bare as, you know, it's just, it's been completely bare. Bare as the Lions trophy cabinet. And he's still done nothing. Very little. And he looks yeah. bad. And then that is not the type of player that we can have here. You know, we need players who are going to compete be dogs, as they say, and are going to threaten this team. There's just no place for... Like I say, we were a haven for good special teams guys who were never going to make it in the first team because we valued our special teams that high and we didn't challenge ourselves to do better. Now we're challenging ourselves to do better. And these types of guys, they have to go now. All of them. So... That's the end of the guys I had listed, but there's a few others, people who are perhaps only here on one-year deals to begin with. Uh, they are Mike Hughes, Jared Davis, um, Chris Ford, Deshaun Elliott, Garrett Griffin, DJ Chark, Devin Funches. Any of those guys you want to say, actually, we made a mistake in only signing him to a one-year deal. I'd rather see him re-signed right now to a three-year deal. If you could turn back the clock and just make it a longer deal, is there any of them that you'd like to do that with? Oh, no. You've, you've got to watch them play first. The whole... And the reason that the whole point we do the one-year deal is because we want to see the cream rise to the top. And we did last year. You know, I know Tracy Walk wasn't a year deal, but Charles Harris was a one-year deal. He rose to the top. Reynolds was a short-term deal. He rose to the top. And then you reward those guys with bigger deals. Too many times over the years, again, we've handed out big contracts and we've regretted them after one year and it's cost us to get rid of them. This is the way to do things, especially where we're at now. We're still, you know, we're still in a decent part of the rebuild here. Um, we have to send these flyers out and hopefully... You know, you know, I'd like to say hopefully this time next year, Mike Hughes is in because he's been damn good at cornerback. DJ Chark is in because he's been damn good at wide receiver. You know, I could say the guys I would like to in an ideal situation, but 
That's why we've got so many of them. Hopefully, if we can land on one or two, it's one or two less spots to fill next year. So, but you've got to I see do. them play first. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to give them big, especially some of these guys have, they have a, a lot of them because when you're on a one deal in, you, when you're on your one year deal, you've either been injured or you're inconsistent. So you don't go throwing big contracts to those players till they prove themselves. Mike Hughes has got the most upside, like you say, but if we remember, he failed as an outside corner. But when he got kicked into the slot in Kansas City, had his best year. Was that because he had great players around him, even though he was on a pretty poor defence last year? Like I say, if he does well this year, this time next year, he'll get a two-year contract. He'll be this year's Charles Harris. But you don't give him a two-year deal and he turns into Justin Coleman, who was good for six months and then shit for a year. And then we all just fell out with him and then we cost us to get rid of him. We don't want that scenario again. So one-year flyers all around, it's fine. Like I say, DJ Chark, if he's healthy, He's got the traits to be a top 10 receiver in the league. Will he ever grasp that, those skills and that potential he's got? Who knows? But for one million and one year and 10 million, I'm willing to find out. So let's let these guys prove me wrong. And, and I know why you ask the question, because, you know, deep down you might be worried that some of these guys play really well and we lose them next year. So what was the point in getting them in the first place? It's a legitimate concern. You know, if Chark comes in, has a thousand yard season, tears things up with JMO, then there's got to be people knocking at the door for his signature, offering him a lot of money. But I think that we can take a lot of heart from last season where the one year guys came in, played well, and they stuck around here. You know, we all thought Charles Harris was a goner, especially when some of the deals started coming. We were like, oh, he's, he's asking for too much money. You know, someone else is going to come and outbid him. No, he, he chose to come back here on a very good deal for us and him. And, you know, again, that speaks to the attitude of the players they've got. You know, we gave him an opportunity and he repaid us at the end of that. And we paid him as well. It's a mutual beneficial thing. Hopefully the guys like this year will be the same. They come in here, they play well. And, you know, they, they might not all be, but I take heart from us doing it last year. And I think we'll do it again. As the team keeps getting better, it's more and more enticing for players to stay here. So I think they've got a lot of reason to want to stay, especially if this team takes a big leap year two. So, you know, Hughes plays well, Chart plays well. We got the money to pay them in free agency next year. You know, we got a lot to play with and they'll come back. So these one-year deals are fine for now. All right, there we go. I, yeah, I, I wouldn't re-sign anyone. The only one that I kind of wanted to sign longer term before we actually got him was DJ Chark. I kind of was happy giving him a longer term deal from the outset, but we've got him in now and the deal was really good. So I'm not going to complain too much. Let's move on and talk about the current guys who are still out there on the market who could potentially improve this team right now. And if you haven't seen the list of all the free agents that are still available, it is long, it is deep. Giggity. Um, but there are plenty of guys that actually would improve this team. So I don't know if you guys have reviewed the list have identified anyone that you'd really like to bring in, but there was let's a few talk in about my mind Leighton the first time Let's take. See, a, let's talk to, about Leighton Van Der Esch. I picked a linebacker <laughs> as well, actually. <laughs> I saw Matt chat in, in Luke G's chat about this earlier, so I thought I'd wind him up with this one to start with. Oh, thank what, God. Give me a legitimate here? reason why we shouldn't be thinking about Leighton Van Der Esch. And don't say something like, oh, he'll be asking too much money. That's your opinion. Just no, no, no. I think he'll be asking veteran minimum and he'll be fucking lucky to get it. At the end of the day, 
the guy was great until he busted his knee. He's got half a knee left in one of his legs. And you know what? His, his bottle's gone. His confidence is gone. And with it, all semblance of reasonably good standard linebacker players gone. You want someone to come in and actually elevate this linebacker group. You're talking... Anthony Barr. Anthony Barr is by far, far a better choice than Van Der Esch. Van but, Der Esch is a wash. Yeah. But Barr will want money. We're not a contender. But on a one-year flyer, the long currently right now he's running out of options. Like I say, free agency is extended. I'd like to think that he's willing to come down a little bit on price for to get picked up by a team. Let's see how long he waits for free agency. But he's the player I think is probably someone that will help this linebacker room. I would be willing to work on a one-year deal with him, and it's not too far from where he is now, so it makes a little bit of sense. So, Matt, can I ask you a question? Do you mm. genuinely think that a Leighton Van Der Esch with a half a knee is as bad as Alex Anzalone? Let's say, for example. So Worse. You say he's injured, right? So last year, Alex Anzalone played 827 snaps, graded out 35.4. Leighton Van Der Esch played 717 snaps and graded out at over 60. I mean... When you've got that's Michael Parsons double. next to you, then, you know, that's going to... Oh, but he's like, not well, a linebacker. He's an edge rusher. <laughs> when you have that a front what seven... You said, when you you said have, he is not a linebacker. He's not a linebacker. But when you have a front seven that actually works well, as we all know with what happened with the and Lions last year, that seven. does help. And we've got a good front seven this year. This year? So Alex Anzalone is going to be fine then? No, I'm sorry. That's so, 35 to 60. So what? Hey, no. I'm using... This is this is the book of PFF here. You subscribe to this. You worship this like the Bible. There is a vast difference there, and he's played what less than a hundred less snaps than him last season. So the injury is not an excuse, and he grades out a lot better. He shines. So now, what's your excuse? He's he shot, and he's he still shines. playing twice as good as Alexandrelloni is, according twice to twice as good. No, thirty-five to sixty is basically not. Five. It's not a linear. It's not a linear scale. <laughs> I'm going to remember all this for the next time you're shoving PFF grades down my throat to justify an argument. Your throat, we've all, agree, we've all agreed to sub to it, so you can take that and fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are there are other linebackers who are available who could do something. I, I don't think, I think that some of the guys out there are worth at least a shot in camp. I don't know whether they'd actually be able to make it and whether they'd be better than the guys we currently have. But I think they're worth a chance. Alec Ogletree, Quan Alexander, John Fostick, Danny Trevathan, Donta Hightower. All of these guys available. Linebacker, in, inside linebacker, outside linebackers. Barr, KJ Wright. I won't mention Jamie Collins, please. God, no. Um, Brandon Copeland? Uh, maybe not. Ugh. But there, there's a few Quan guys out. out there we can bring into camp. I'd work Quan Alexander out. I know, he's come, I know he's coming up in injury. I suppose when I look at all those names, I think at least nearly all of them, at least like above like 32, 33. There's a reason they're there because let's say they've piled up a bit of mileage, but some of them there are worth a shot. I don't, I don't know. I mean, are, are, we, are we sort of taking flyers on? Obviously, you might have to take flyers in maybe next year as well. Thinking in the future. Some of these guys you can reclaim. Also, that, I'd also like to wait to see, like, say, when you get that big first round of cuts, because there's going to be some prizing names. Like, I said, I'd probably wait until then to pick up a linebacker. 
Yeah. I think that's the thing we need to watch out because obviously July, the, it, it, no idea, the deadline should be on now. There'll be a lot of people getting cut soon, won't there? So. Yeah. Yeah. There'll be cuts coming. Absolutely. I mean, well, we, okay, picked so... Har- we picked Harris up off the cuts last year, didn't we? We picked him up in July, yeah. early mm-hmm. August. Wasn't long before the season started. It's actually only 25 days till the first preseason game now, isn't it? So it's not that far away. It's not far away. Okay, cornerbacks that we could potentially pick up, at least at least in camp. And I know we've got a deep room, but just to consider this, some of the notable names... Don't I say Kevin right King. Trey Waynes, Chris Harris, Xavier Rhodes, AJ Boye, Vernon Hargraves. Uh, bring back Nevin Lawson, no thanks. Um... Anyone else on there worth a damn? We had that argument during the all-team decade show. <laughs> I mean, we could we could get a fourth overall pick. See, I've long been a proponent of Xavier Rhodes as a vet. I've been saying that for at least two years now because I believe haven't Indy been paying him, and yeah. you know they've done all right there. Mm. And he's sort of the steady, reassuring presence at corner who, who is great for your vet, if he's great for your rookies. And again, we, we are missing a proper veteran presence in there, a proper older guy. And he can still come in and play. So, you know, for the last, I'll say it again, I've said it for two years, I would still be in on going after Xavier Rhodes. At least put him in his competition. You know, if he can't beat out what we've got, then fine. He's, he's past it, he's over the hill. But certainly he's a vet option. I'd, I'd still really like him here. But the trouble is, I guess it means one of the others has to miss out. And mm. it depends, are you willing to try and get them through to the practice squad? Just having a look at some of the other position groups. Safety. Is there, is there so, a safety? So the big free agent safety still available is Landon Collins. There's also Tayshaun oh, no. Gibson, um, Darian Thompson... Uh, let's have a look at strong safeties. Tavon Wilson. No, you know what? I know. I know you. I know you rubbished it, Rye, to Landon Collins. But does he not shoot up our depth chart instantly? Really? Is Deshaun Elliott want better a lot than of him? Money. He want a lot of money. Well, it depends because no one's paying him. The market's getting thinner. You could wait him out until he has to take a lesser deal. It's, you know, sometimes that's what happens with these guys. You you call their bluff, but no one's going for him. Mm. And I still think, you know, that I know, and I know Ash is really high on Kirby Joseph, but again, and, you know, I, get, I keep getting told this about my late round draft guys. These are rookies and there's no guarantee, especially in year one, that they're going to land to a high level. You know, we still really only have one bona fide starter in the safety group. That's it. And yeah. we might be playing with three safeties this year. So <laughs> that's not a good look. I still feel like there has to be an addition there. And yeah, we do have some spare money. Probably maybe enough to tempt him to come here on a flyer. But, you know, even if he's a bit meh, I'd still like another guy who's at least had starter reps in the NFL to a decent degree on this team this year. Because Deshaun Elliott's not really had that much starting experience. And I know everyone's hyped over him and that. But like I say, I'm going to use the same blowback I get when I'm talking about Malcolm Rodriguez. You know, there's, there's very, you know, it's, it's very unlikely that he comes in and is a superstar. It just isn't. He's another career special teamer. 
So to come in and realistically expect him to start locking down some of the in receivers in this league is unrealistic. Okay, what we're about going to add. So I, I would go after him. I would. I might even go after some of the lesser guys there as well. I, I know it's a risk, and you know, give him fair, give the rookies fair chance to beat him out. Give Deshaun Elliott fair chance to beat him out. But if anything, you need some depth in there. I don't want to see CJ Moore anywhere near the field this year. I don't want to see Will Harris anywhere near the safety position this year. Going on to say backups on the offensive line, if we want to have an improvement over tackle three and Matt Nelson. There's Riley Reef out there. There's Eric Fisher. He's only 31. I couldn't believe that. There's um, he had terrible injuries, though. Yeah, he, he, he did. was he was out. All, I mean, didn't the Colts sign him last year, and he just didn't yeah. really play for them? No, he didn't. I think he was injured Probably. when they bought him. He didn't start the season. I think he got injured again. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's fair enough. Okay, we can move on to backup quarterback because we all think we could improve there. There's a lot of notable guys on here. Fitzpatrick, Newton, Glennon, McCarron. Fitzpatrick's retired. He's still on there. We could bring him back. Um, Anthony Gordon from the Chiefs. Derek King, if you want. Five for eight quarterback. Um, No. I don't think there's anyone I'd really seriously think about bringing in there. What about these running backs then? I was talking about running backs before, and I noticed a guy that we tried to bring in way back when. We signed him to an off sheet, but he actually re-signed where he was. Malcolm Brown is out there, free. Alex Collins is available. Corey Clement, Wayne Gorman, uh, Christian Wade, Carlos Hyde, David Johnson. Um, I was quite high on Master Teague coming in from this season. Lev Bell is still out there. I mean, that's a good list of running backs still available. Kalen Ballage. Master T. Bell's player at Ohio State. He, he, Bell's he was not playing football behind. either. Le'Veon Bell's no, going to be a professional boxer. Yeah. He's retiring. <laughs> no, I just heard a list of a lot of washed up guys. David Johnson and Carlos Hyde. Those two don't have a working ACL between them. Like, those guys are absolute... I, I can't touch them with a barge pole. See, the thing is... I like our running back room. I think our running back room has balance to it. You have technically the running back one in there. Whether he can handle that load remains to be seen. But DeAndre Swift is the running back one. He's a very good receiving threat. Uh, You know, Jamal Williams is sort of the heavyweight in there, the one who you get to do all the dirty work at the start of the game. The guy will get you some of the tough first downs, you know, and, and generally the reliable second guy in there. And then we've got two very gifted youngsters in Jamar Jefferson and Craig Reynolds, who both in spurts proved themselves last season. So I don't think we need to go bringing in, in your words, Ryan, a washed up veteran to kind of ruin that because there's no room for one. I think he's either going to take snaps away from the young guys who deserve them, or he's just going to come in and not really be good enough to make a difference in our first team. So I don't know. It feels really futile to me. There wasn't any backs on that list that offer anything to Detroit. If I'm bringing in a back, it's for the practice squad. And it's someone like Matt Colburn or CJ Marable, who played really well in the USFL. They're I'll the kind of guys that want to give a shot. Yeah, both. One of those three guys in the USFL will give a chance. But those guys' names, they just want money. And they don't offer anything. They probably won't even crack the top three on our no. depth chart. So I can't, I can't spend money there. Offensive tackle. Well, probably if we ever need tackle depth, 
we'll just bring back Dan Skipper or Darren Powell or something like that. We're never going to go into that tackle market because we've got those guys on speed dial. So two positions, I can't spend any free agency money at. No, no. Um, I know we talked about maybe getting a tackle in the draft. We didn't do it. We went the free agency route. I mean, Eze has potential. I know you watched him a lot at TCU, but there are parts of his games which are just awful and are going to take a long time to rectify. He's a long-term project. He ain't going to help you this year, really, apart from maybe a little bit in the run game. But, you know, yeah, the running back room is fine. I would bring back Bo. Bo, I think, will he's, he's used to being here. You know, he's familiar with the organization. I think he'll happily accept a place on the practice squad and we can bring him up when we need him, if need be because he was good in the red zone when we needed him. Punched in a few touchdowns in big situations there. So, But outside of Bo, no, I wouldn't do a single thing. All right, let's have a look at tight ends. The list is headed by former Lion Eric Ebron. Also in there is Blake Jarwin, Carl Rudolph, Jared Cook, Jesse James, Levine Toilio. Uh, just a host of former Lions, really. We've uh, had half. We've had three of those already. <laughs> Chris Herndon. I actually don't no. dislike Chris Herndon. Um, Pat, Kyle Rudolph, but he won't be cheap. No, I'd, I'd get him just so I could jettison, and jettison him into Lake Michigan for scoring against us so many times over the years. I can't stand him. I All right, launch well, him into the lake. What about throwing another wide receiver in the mix then if we've chucked all no. of them away? We, we couldn't fit them on our team in our mocks. There's no room. I know, but we can still improve. We can do it. Um, we want more speed. There's always Deshaun Jackson. You want a dependable outside receiver. There's Emmanuel Sanders. If you want an absolute twat at the slot who's actually very productive, you've got Cole Beasley. You've also got players who have been productive here but never got a chance beyond half the season, like Mohamed Sanu. You've got um, D.D. Westbrook. You've got D.J. Montgomery. Uh, Anyone else that stands out? I used to like D.D., but they're all too old. Those guys you're reading out, they're into their 30s, and they're not going to offer us anything long-term. They really are not. And, you know, our, our wide receiver room's really set now. We've, we've invested in our wide receiver one. We've got our slot guy. You know, we've got a rabid competition on for those wide receiver two and three slots as well. So, you know, short of paying big for somebody to come in and, you know, do something as well, then there's no need. Yeah. You know, we, we've, we've got everything we need there. And, you know, even down to guys like Josh Johnson and Khalil Pimpleton, they're going to threaten the team this year. And they could offer something good, both of them, to this team in their own rights. And the way we need to build the young guys with a point to prove. That's the sort we want here, not not the old ones. Not that I'm going to complain about Sanu. He did a good job in a hard situation, but that was when our team was terrible. Our wide receivers are a lot better now. I've glossed over guard. I just don't see any names I think would move the needle whatsoever. The other position that's been brought up in the chat by Ash is a potential backup nose tackle or one technique to to back up Ali McNeil just in case he goes down. There's no one really on the roster right now that can replicate that role. But I don't I'm struggling to see someone who would be a really good nose tackle. Demetrius Taylor is I, honestly, people are going to be shocked by Demetrius Taylor. He can play the nose tackle very well. He can play all across the line very well. 
if Ali McNeil goes down for a game or two, I am very happy putting Demetrius Taylor in my side to do the work that he does. And I think I will get something out of it. You know, that App State defense he was on last year was top 30, I think, in the entire country, which for a team of their stature in the Sun Belt is huge. It's a massive achievement for them. It was no, no mean feat. There's some very good players coming off there. So, yeah, Demetrius Taylor, I'm very happy with entrusting the backup nose tackle role to him right now. All right. So that is the entire free agency class as it stands. Obviously, I've, I've, I've missed edge because I just don't think there's any room for it, to be quite honest. But there's obviously going to be a lot of people cut as we move down to 53 once training camp and the preseason games get going, which is only a month away. So you can expect that list to grow and grow. And I'm sure we will pick up a few people here and there and cut a few others. So stay tuned for that as we have all the chat on it. Just a couple of listener questions to get through. But if you are listening along, do want a question answered or just want to hit on a talking point, we will get to it if you put it in the chat right now. So go ahead and do that. We'll start off with Ash's question, which is a painful hypothetical personally for me, given that I own a shirt with this guy's name on his back. Ash, question. Do you think there is a chance that come week one, neither of the Aquara brothers are on the active roster? Good chance Julian's gone. Yeah, people know my opinion on this. So they will not be surprised to hear me say, yes, I could see that happen. Obviously, both of Romeo's, well, Romeo will be on PUP, won't he? That's not active roster. I yes, think that's what Ash means. I don't. We're not going to cut Romeo just outright. I think he means by pup. So yeah, Romeo will be on pup, and I can see Julian getting cut. I honestly and truly can. I mean, where's he going to play? We've got good depth in the edge room now. When Romeo is back, you can probably keep someone cheaper like Austin Bryant if you want some depth in. But we've got James Houston here now as well. And again, I know sixth round draft pick played in the FCS, a lot to prove, yada yada yada, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But when you're looking for your depth players, you're not going to be an instant impact guy, but you'll be able to gel him into this team. You'll be able to work him in and give him the same workload that Julian gets now. I just, I have just never seen the consistency in play or with injury history to justify keeping him much longer. And, you know, it hurts me to say, because, but I've been burned by, I've been burned before like this, you know, the Sean Hand, we all wished year after year after year that he would get better, that he would get back to his, you know, his, his rookie year. And it just never happened. And no matter how hard it was put in front of us, the injuries, the inconsistent play, we all just kind of kept blindly believing it was going to happen. And it never did. And so I'm, I'm, I'm a lot more reluctant now to do it with other guys because I've just been taught that history, you know, it's just going to happen again. We spend another year here with him and he's injured. He plays, what, six, seven games. He, he shows flashes, gets some sacks. What are we going to do? Are we going to keep him for another year? I just, I don't know. If it comes down to between him and Houston, I'm just going to take the younger guy who potentially could be much more for me long-term and cut my losses there. So I think there's a good chance. If it were me, there would be. Do I realistically think they will? No. I think they like Julian too much. Um, but if it's me, then there's a good chance neither of them would be there. 
I agree. The the leash on Julian is very short. If we cut him, he won't, he won't clear. I don't think he'll clear waivers. I think someone will see him as another reclamation project. So I don't think we've got any chance of getting him on the practice squad. But I can see him getting axed. Like I say, availability is the best ability. And we've yet to see it. Those flashes, the inconsistency. He's got those natural bone tools to work with, but we've just not seen anything yet. And it wasn't like he was cheap either. We're just yet to see a return on the investment. And I agree with the hand. We can't just keep plugging away at years and just expecting someone to come good. It hurt. It hurt Romeo, but I don't have that much loyalty. I know he's his brother, but I'm not thinking that way. No, and and that end of because and what everyone will do right now who wants to keep Julian will say, well, look how good he was at the end of the season. You know, he got his sack against Green Bay and that, but you know, that's the trap. You he see, didn't it. Add, didn't it? that's the trap. You see just this small microcosm of what he can do, like we saw with Deshaun Hand. We saw the small microcosm of the player he could become, and we were always enticed to keep on going despite every other red flag going, telling us, no, stop. And I think it's just gotten to the point now where we, we have to start heeding the red flags and saying, look, there's only so much we can do here. I mean... For me, that I'm starting to feel like that's where we're at. And if and if we keep him and we get to next year and we're in the same situation, I'm going to be really annoyed, especially if Houston is let go in the process. And I just, I don't know. So, so here's where I'm at with it. I, I don't really see much chance of Houston being picked up by someone else if he's cut. And that's where it comes down to for me. The guy was consensus ranked around 450 on draft boards this year. Now, someone might pick him up. They might surprise me. But I just think the chance of him being able to get down to the practice squad and protect him all year is very, very high. But in Julian, I see someone that performed hot and cold, as Ant says, not, not consistent. But I see someone who has the ability to play at a very high level if he just becomes more consistent. And yes, the injury thing is bad, but we took him as a project, knowing that he was coming off an injury the previous year. And we gave to Sean Hand a lot more chances than we've given Julian. We've only given him one chance to have a healthy year. That's all we've given him. So if you think we've sunk a lot of time into him, I think you're being very, very quick on Julian. And you know what? Last year, it's not like he was bad for the majority of the year. He actually had some really, really high points. So... I believe that Julian can turn it around. Now, if you told me that we were going to be sitting here having this conversation again next year, I would probably say that's the average circumstance. I would probably say that is what's going to happen on average. But if you told me that we were going to be sitting here next year talking about Houston in a sort of like, okay, yeah, he kind of did one or two good things, but he's still really raw. Yeah, I think that's probably the average circumstance too. Which one would I rather have and which one am I banking on the upside? Well, I think Julian's ceiling is far higher than Houston's. So, like, on average, I expect Julian to hit his ceiling more than I expect Houston to hit his ceiling is what I mean. I think their ceilings are both quite high. But I'd rather take the upside with Julian than I would with Houston. But we all agreed that we gave hand far too long here. Far too long. You know, we were talking about this two years before we let him go. And, you know, and it, I know it's just Julian's third year now. So we say it's there, but, you know, big injury at Notre Dame, big injury first year. He started one game in two years, you know. 
I just think that history is telling you that this is going to be a struggle for him. And where's he going to fit in this team? You know, we've said about putting him at outside linebacker, but he's bad against the run. You know, you can't really utilize him there. It's where's he going to fit in in this team? When Romeo's fit, when Harris is fit, Hutch is in there. No. So I can see him fitting in a nickel and a 4 2 5 as the will. I can also see him fitting in as the rush linebacker on passing downs. Or also rush defensive ends on passing downs. You could trust him in coverage. Yep. (laughs) See. This is, and you know, tough, again, but... this is what old me would have probably agreed with you. I would have looked for every means necessary to try and keep it there. But now I'm listening. It just feels like we're making excuses. We're going to put him at linebacker. We're going to put him in coverage. Let's give him this chance. Let's give him that. Let's just keep giving him chances again and again and again and again and again. And so where does Jared Davis fit? Hmm. You know, we yeah. unfortunately for him, we have a linebacker group with Derek Barnes. You've got Rodriguez in there. You know, you've got a lot of guys who already pass rush or run defense. So, you know, whose snaps is he taking in there? That's just going to disrupt the linebacker disruption, the, the linebacker evolution, as it were. The one good thing we're going to get linebacker this year is the rookies are going to get a lot of snaps. So trial by fire. When you start trying to stick a, you know, round peg in a square hole, that's when problems occur. That's what I mean. We, we seem to just be making these little excuses all the time now. I just... I mean, I just, I don't know. I'd rather I, keep Julian than I would Davis. If I had to cut one. Oh, yeah. If, if one's an edge, one one's an edge and one's a linebacker, though. They're not the same player. It's not going to come down to Okay, but you call of, Davis an edge, but can you play him as a 4-3 edge, edge on first down? I didn't call Davis an edge. I said they play different positions. Okay. Clara was an edge, and... Davis is a linebacker. Okay. All right. But you wouldn't I just don't see a... Julian. I don't see Julian as a linebacker. Right. Fair enough. No, no, that's okay. Okay. So let's move on to the last question that we have from Ken Stouder on YouTube. Thank you for the question. He says Vegas has the Lions win loss record or win record at six and a half opinions. Who's betting? If you had to pick a Lions record, what are you going for, boys? I'm betting right now. over. I'm betting over. Seven and ten. I think, you know, we, we, we sort of had our little bit of a show where we did, like, maybe our, predi- our very way-too-early predictions and stuff like that. But for me, six wins doesn't represent a terrific amount of improvement this year. It's got to be more. It's got to be on the higher side towards ten, seven, eight, maybe nine in a good year. Um, six when we could have won six last year quite easily with that rancid team. Uh, you know, we've got to win more this year now that we're a lot better and a lot healthier. So, yeah, I'm betting over very optimistically. Betting over 100% going over. I really think our average is just higher than that. And I think our, our high point is a lot, lot higher than that. But the low point is probably not much lower than that. You know, it's a I think it's a fairly long tail, but if everything comes together, I really think we could shock the world this year. Our schedule helps a lot as well. Schedule helps a hell of a lot. It's not the hardest. There are a lot of mid-teams there who can be beaten. So the opportunity is there. It's up to them as to whether they're going to take it or not. All right. Anything else that you guys want to get off your chest at this point? I think we've I have been monitoring the chat for any questions that we have, but I don't think there's anything 
worth talking about on there. But anything Lions related you want to talk about or NFL related? Maybe not at the moment. No, I don't think well, so. We need to keep that for next week. So, I, oh, well, yeah, I don't. I don't think uh, no, nothing much has really been going off. It's it's the quiet part of off season now, really, isn't it? We're still. When does training camp start? That's got to be. Training camps. I did reply to this actually. Someone asked, and I can't remember. I feel like it's got to be in a week or two by now. It's, it, it can't be far off. with first preseason. Thirtieth of July. Two weeks. That's Twelve days. Two weeks. Yeah. yeah. That's oh, not too bad then. Not not long to go. Uh, Bigger says, "Where are you sitting for the Giants game?" Uh, That'll be Ryan. Me. Yeah. Where are you sitting? Um, I don't know. I bought the tickets, <laughs> but I bought. I just went with the cheapest tickets. I I have no idea where it is. Just just listen I, for. I know just, just listen for the guy who's greeting people with the term "a up duck." Yeah. Then you'll he's, find he's him. It's up high. I'm like three quarters of the way up, if that helps. Yeah, that's it. Just big errors. Just go around shouting, hey, up, duck, and someone will respond to you and it'll be Ryan. Yeah. If anyone's know. going to that game, feel free to message me because me and Lorraine would like to meet Detroit people there. Ash says, next week I want an in-depth rant about our Madden ratings. EA do not deserve no, our time. No, we're not, we're not I'm doing sorry, I, I, said this on, I said this on Twitter. I don't let it bug me no more because it's just unnecessary grief that we don't need to deal with. Highlight about talk thing. about more valuable things. I highlighted my one thing. You know, Kadarius Tony been rated over Amon Ra is an absolute in-travesty. Um, but that's it because we, we can just let it destroy us. And we're better than that. We're not going to complain. Madden's been the same for about six years. They just put a new skin on it. It's the new FIFA. It's shit. <laughs> and NCAA will be exactly the same. They'll take the same engine. They'll put a skin on it with some player licenses. And they'll, make it, they'll just throw out a crap game. And I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm preparing myself to be severely let down. Well, at least Ash gets to watch a good Jordan Travis on a video game. So, you know, it's a good thing for him. We won't even be in college. I don't know he will be, will he? Is there a CFL game that he'll be able to buy? Because that's probably oh. where he'll be. Yeah, I've been, watching, <laughs> I've been watching a lot of CFL lately. And you know what? It's amazing how different it is. It's basically an entirely different game. The rules are just so different. It's so weird. <laughs> right. If we're you're gonna... Canadian, please tell me why you have one point. What's the point of scoring one point? Is that? Do you get one point if you kick it through the uprights from a kickoff? You get one point if they miss a field goal or like if they punt and they, if it goes into the end zone and it's caught by the returner and they step out of bounds, it's a point, which is just odd to me. Now, I do like slot backs. I like the fact they have slot backs and everyone motions. The NFL should have that. It'd be a lot more fun. Hey, Dan Olofsky would have got some good points in his time if he'd have been like, you know, you get, get points for messing around in the end zone or out of it. Quirky Zerky says, don't slander the CFL. It's the best form of football out there. I have never watched it. Unless it's, you're a defender. It's better unless than, the, you're defend- it's better than the USFL. Back. Yeah. The if USFL if you're a was back, If you're a defensive back, you have 20-yard end zones and a 130-yard field. You can't cover this shit. It's so unfair. <laughs> right. Let's draw this to a close here. It's been a really good chat, but we haven't gone for a while. Uh, just to say at the top of this, 
please, please do contribute to the changes we are making to the show. We are making substantial changes, including video intro, audio intro. The national anthem type stuff is going to go at some point in the near future. If you have suggestions on what you'd like to see, what you'd like to hear, please get it in as well as pretty much anything about the show, good or bad, just do let us know and it will make a difference to what we do going forward. The link is in the YouTube and Twitch descriptions and I'll also tweet it out at the end of the show. Next episode, this time next week, 25th of July. Don't forget about the College Football Podcast. Covered the Conference USA last week and this week. And Sunbelt will be back on Wednesday on our normal day. All right, that is coming up. Don't forget our socials, Royal Alliance UK on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Follow them all. Rate us five stars, all the good stuff you can. Prime subs on Twitch as well, if you can too. No cost to you, but very much appreciated by us. And the website, RoyalAlliance Just remember to thank co-hosts Anthony Fitzpatrick, Ryan McCluskey. My name is Matthew Turner. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. Let's go, Lions. One pride. One pride. One pride. One pride.